0: Hi, this is The Gathering Church in Windsor, Ontario, and I'm Pastor Garth Lino. Welcome to our podcast. I am so glad we've landed in Proverbs for the summer. Uh, I've wanted to preach and teach from this book for a long time and uh, finally get to do it. The wisdom of Proverbs is, is practical wisdom for everyday Life, it it just, it's such a practical book for us to study. Now, the first eight chapters of Proverbs contain uh, ten different speeches. Uh, Father to a son, Lady Wisdom speaks up later on. And it's only in chapter 9 that you start to get these pithy little sayings, these soundbite Proverbs that that so many of us know, like, trust in the Lord with all your heart, and do not lean on your own understanding. and Uh, Make sure you pray for your pastor because he really needs it. You know, things like that. (laughs) The book of Proverbs gives us practical biblical advice on such a wide range of topics, many of which we're going to hit in this series. Uh, Things like uh, humility and family life and uh, friendship and money and sexuality and and, and how we ought to speak to one another on a day-to-day basis. But sometimes... Uh, we've discovered already, sometimes Proverbs is just like in your face, you know? Bold and brash and um, I told you so kind of thing. And that's a bit of the flavor that we get in these verses this morning that Lynn read for us, uh, verses 8 through 19. First of all, we notice the offer of wisdom, a first section, verses 8 and 9, where the father says, "Hear, my son, your father's instruction... And forsake not your mother's teaching, for they are a graceful garland for your head and pendants for your neck. Now, I mentioned last week that uh, the Old Testament book of Proverbs is actually addressed to a young man. And yet the situations in his life uh, that he's experiencing supply uh, many concrete examples from which all of us can learn. And after the introduction of the first seven verses of chapter 1 comes this series of ten speeches. There's consistent language here. And uh, it's language about resisting evil and resisting unwise choices. It consistently exalts wisdom as the thing to pursue. If you don't have wisdom yet, sell your bed and chase after it. Wherever it takes you. Go after wisdom. This father who's speaking to his son doesn't pull any punches either. My son, hear your father's instruction. Now, every dad needs to have some talks like that with his son or daughter when they hit the critical teenage years or maybe before that. The, that's the original setting in which this wisdom is found. This dad is having a serious talk with his son. This dad's looking at his boy straight in the eye and saying, Son, here's the kind of world you're going to grow up in. Here's the kind of world that we're thrusting you out into. Here's what you can expect, and here's what you need to do about it. He's discipling his son. That's what he's doing. He's discipling him. Discipleship is more than just learning how to read the Bible and pray and memorize a few verses of Scripture. It's life transference. When, when I'm discipling a young man, I, I'm, I'm, I'm trying to transfer my life in Christ to him. So he, and, 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 and it goes both ways. I benefit also. So here's this dad discipling his son. He's a a wise father who's not shielding his son from the real world. He's telling him the truth in advance, but he's telling him the truth in a way that's going to help him make wise choices later on. Isn't that what you want to do as a dad? You want to equip your sons and your daughters to live life in the real world successfully and powerfully in Jesus' name? I didn't have a dad who gave good advice? In fact, he gave just the opposite. According to the scripture, he handed down an empty way of life to me. He didn't know Jesus. He was a hard drinker and a gambler, lost our, our family home in a poker game when I was in grade five. My mom was a devoted alcoholic, and so when I came to faith in Jesus Christ at the age of 21, the church was my family. All of a sudden, I had mothers and fathers and sisters and brothers that I never dreamed of having. And a few I wish I didn't have. (laughs) But you see, God, God loves us. Amen? He loves us and He has situated us inside His family. Not just any family. He's deposited us in his family. He's included us in his family, and he's given us spiritual mothers and fathers who can give counsel and advice and encouragement to us right when we need it. Oh, I prayed before the service started. I prayed with a precious lady who comes to our church. Her her husband's having some health issues, and and we just stood right back there in the the aisle and prayed together. I, I love my church. God has given us the church. He's given us each other so that we can encourage each other and and speak words of truth into each other's life. Hear, my son, your father's instruction and forsake not your mother's teaching for they are a graceful garland for your head and pendants for your neck. What are those metaphors about? Garlands and pendants. Well, a garland is is a victor's wreath. It's like a Woven um, wreath, you know, that you make with grapevines or whatever you make wreaths with. <laughs> and, and they would place it on the victor's head. So when the armies came back, the commanders often were given a victor's wreath. That's a garland. And this garland here stands in parallel with the beautiful crown that Proverbs speaks about a, few, a little bit later in, in chapter 4, verse 9, where it says, She, meaning wisdom, will place on your head a graceful garland. She will bestow on you a beautiful crown. They're in parallel. So so a garland is this crown that they place on your head. It speaks of the victory that Jesus has, has activated in your life through faith. That's what that's talking about. And, and a pendant is the chain around your neck. Uh, it, it was a mark of prestige. When you read this verse, think about an Olympic gold medal. Now, I've never won one of those. Almost... No, not even close. Uh, But think of a think of a gold medal when you read this verse, and 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 then when you when you run quickly to the New Testament, the New Testament says that the gospel and the gospel instructs us to put on the Lord Jesus Christ. See the so the so the the graceful garland and the pendant around your neck was a was a a type or a foreshadow or a a, a, it it was an arrow pointing to the Lord Jesus Christ. Romans thirteen fourteen. But put on the Lord Jesus Christ. Make no provision for the flesh to gratify its desires. Put on the Lord Jesus Christ. When we put on the Lord Jesus Christ, we put off the rags of pettiness. When we put on the Lord Jesus Christ, which is always winsome and always attractive and always compelling, we resist the pride that wants to consume us every single day. When we put on the Lord Jesus Christ, we put on the victory of Jesus and we put off the defeat of the enemy who has no authority here. So our Heavenly Father is is offering to put His magnificent glory upon us. The crown upon your head and the Olympic gold medal around your neck. You want that? You want to walk in wisdom? You want to walk in victory? Yes, Lord. Yes, we do. We do. And we want the people of our city as they visit our church. And when they come to the Free Park event with Pastor Tommy Miller, not Pastor Tommy Walker. Sorry, brother. We have a Pastor Tommy Walker over in Detroit. I think we got that slide mixed up. Sorry about that. When, we, when, we, when these people come, when they come to our church and they come to the free park event or they come to the block party at the end of the summer, we want them to walk away saying, man, those people from the gathering, those people from Arkansas, they're such great people. They're amazing people. They're loving and they're kind and they're gracious and they're giving and they're, they're incredible people. I'm so attracted to these people because once we attract them, then we can point them to Jesus, right? Right? It's not about us, even though you do look lovely in those yellow shirts. It's not about us. It's about Jesus, and we want to point people to Jesus. Is that not the kind of church we want to be? Yes. They see the garland on your head. They see the pendant around your neck, and they, they're pointed to Jesus. They see Jesus in you. That's what they see. They see Jesus. And that's the way it should be. So the offer of wisdom that we read about in verses 8 and 9. Then give way to the warning of wisdom. Oh yeah, there's a catch. Always a catch. <laughs> you set us up with the offer of wisdom and then you come along uh, back on the, through the side door with the warning. What? Well, here it goes. Verses 10 to 19. But before we go much deeper into these verses, we need to know who are the sinners That he's talking about in verse 10. Chapter 1, verse 10. My son, if sinners entice you, do not consent. But every one of us is a sinner, right? For all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. So all of us are sinners. Even the wise father figure who's speaking these words in Proverbs chapter 1 is a sinner. So, so who are the sinners that he's talking about in verse 10? Is he talking about everybody in general? No. I think he's talking about the habitual, chronic sinners. He's talking about people who are persistent and determined in their sin. And even though they know the Creator, they, they forsake the Creator to worship the creation. They're tireless and stubborn in their evil deeds. They may have heard the truth, they may have heard about the gospel, they may have heard about Jesus, but they've turned aside and they are determined to live a life of sin. They are incorrigible, they are persistent in doing wrong and hurting people. It's the man who, who gets ahead by his own devices. It's the woman who's always out for number one and only number one. These are the kinds of sinners that Proverbs 1 is warning us about. Be careful with these people. They need Jesus. They need the gospel. But be careful. Also, before we go much deeper into these verses, we should know just how this scenario plays out in our lives. The father is not wasting his breath in this speech. He's, he's telling his son, when people like this come to you, not if they do, but when they do, here's what you need to do. Do not consent. Don't go with them. Don't walk in the way with them. Don't become best friends with them. Be careful. Don't go into business with them. Don't be unequally yoked with them. Keep your distance. That's the wise thing to do. Remember, Proverbs is about wisdom. He's trying to teach his son how to be wise in the world. How to live in the world and prosper in the world, but not become part of it. Not to be conformed to the world and its image. Well, do we have any people like that today? Do we have any sinners like Proverbs 1.10 around today? Are there people like this in Windsor, Essex? Where do we find them? Well, I think they are the bullies at school who persistently bully boys and girls, even though they know it's wrong, even though they've already had two suspensions for that, they keep on doing it, tormenting him or her to the point of despair or perhaps the edge of suicide. They are computer hackers stealing people's identity and people's money. They are Bay Street or Wall Street insiders. Exploiting the system for their own selfish gain. They are racists who are treating people like non-persons. And I don't care whether they're red or yellow, black or white, rich or poor. You don't treat people like that. They are neighbors who need to say bad things about you in order to justify themselves gossiping your reputation to death. They are jealous fellow workers who will do anything to get you fired or terminated because you're threatening to them. They are a faction trying to split a local church because they don't like the way the pastor parts his hair, if he has any. (laughs) And it really only takes one or two of those to get the fire going. You know what I'm talking about? You know what I'm saying? You hear me? The list could go on and on. There there are so many legal and sophisticated and polite and even religious ways of saying, hey, come on with us. Let's lie in wait for blood together. Come on. Join in. Let our purse be your purse and your purse be ours. We'll be one. We'll be partners in crime. What is that all about? I think it's about pride and envy and greed and jealousy and retaliation, revenge and and so on and so forth. All could be placed under this capstone called sin. Just pervasive, unbending, determined sin. And admittedly, there are times when you really feel tempted to throw in your lot with those people. Right? I mean there are days, there are times, there are maybe even seasons where you where you just feel so tempted to say, "Yeah. Yeah. I think I'm I think I'm going to I think I'm going to go with you." Why? Well, because we want to get even. There you go. Said it. We want to get even. Or 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 maybe we want to hurt those who've hurt us. Or we want those who succeed, at least in our eyes, succeed all the time to fail. Makes us feel better. <laughs> they failed too. Or we want those who fail to fail again because it always makes us feel just a little bit better. You see how that works? And the father saying to the son, that, that's just not a wise way to live your life. Don't do that. The the advice of the father, on the other hand, in verse 15, goes like this. My son, do not walk in the way with them. Hold back your foot from their paths. For their feet run to evil, and they make haste to shed blood. There's violence in their heart. Even Even if the violence doesn't come out in their actions, it's resident in their heart. Be careful. Be careful. Verse 17, for in vain is a net spread at the sight of any bird. This is why I love the Proverbs. You know, isn't this crazy? He says, you know, in vain a net spread in the sight of any bird. If a bird sees you spreading a net, he's saying, if a bird sees you spreading a net to catch him, he's just going to fly the other way. But these men, verse 18, they're so dumb, they wait for their own blood. They set an ambush for their own lives. How unwise is that? How how incredibly dumb is that? But that's what he's saying, folks. God is warning us here. This is a warning. Sure, we all long for community. We want to be part of a club or a crowd or a gang. You know, we, we want to be included. We want somebody to call us on Friday and say, Hey, dude, we're going to do this. Come on with us. You're, you're one of us. We, we long for that kind of community where we really belong to something. We all have a deep-seated need to belong. It's, it's God-given. God created us as social beings. It's a God-given thing. But there is a kind of community to which we should never, ever, ever belong. And as believers in Jesus, fight against wanting to belong. Why? Because these men lie in wait for their own blood. They set an ambush for their own lives. Do not walk in the way with them. Your parents have always said to your kids choose your friends wisely. This is why choose your friends wisely. Because they're out there. Those people that are waiting for blood and setting an ambush for their own, they're there. So instead, I I just want to invite you to consider God's alternative. There is a great alternative. I, I want you to consider a safe community of redeemed and forgiven believers in Jesus who have experienced the power of His love because that changes things. Remember I told you that little story very quickly? But when I first came to faith in Jesus Christ, my mom and dad were out of the picture. I had no good counselors, no wisdom coming into my life. It was the people of God. It was my family, my church family that sustained the new life and the new birth that Jesus gave me. They helped me understand that in the context of spiritual community. And we can do that for other people. We're doing that For the new believers in our midst. We're encouraging them and discipling them and trying to speak into their lives every chance we get. So I invite you to consider the gathering community a place where people like us can learn to grow and love each other and serve God. So far we've talked this morning about the offer of wisdom and the warning of wisdom. And now we turn quickly to the promise of wisdom and I want to take you immediately to the New Testament for a moment so we can review the promise of wisdom that we find in James chapter 1, verse 5. If any of you lacks wisdom, let him ask of God. Finish it with me. Let's read it together. Who gives generously to all without reproach, and it will be given him. You see, when Jesus began his public ministry, when Jesus began his teaching ministry, his prophetic ministry, people were amazed at just how much wisdom he displayed. They were shocked. Matthew 13 says, uh, verse 54, Jesus taught them in their, in their synagogue so that they were astonished and said, where did this man get this wisdom? I mean, isn't this just the carpenter's son? Where did this guy get, get so much wisdom? they were shocked they were astonished they were dumbfounded by the wisdom of Jesus as he taught the scriptures in their synagogue and then over in 1 Corinthians chapter 1 verse 24 Paul declares that Jesus Christ is the power of God and the wisdom of God Jesus Christ himself is the embodiment of wisdom come from God he's the personification of wisdom and then over in Colossians chapter 2 verse 3 he paul again identifies Jesus as the one in whom are hidden all all the treasures of wisdom <coughs> it blows my puny little brain Jesus is our treasure and he is our wisdom the wisdom of God resides in Jesus. And so that brings us quickly back to James chapter 1, verse 5. If any of you lacks wisdom, let him ask God who gives generously to all without reproach, and it will be given him. That's the promise of wisdom. Jesus promises to give us wisdom. The one in whom are hidden all the treasures of wisdom. The one who is the power of God and the wisdom of God. And don't forget that scripture says you are in Christ and Christ is in you. So the one who is in us is the personification of He is wisdom. The one who lives in us by the power of his spirit is also the one in whom uh, abide all the treasures of wisdom. We have all the treasures of wisdom inside of us in the person of Christ. We are in him and he is in us. And so when Jesus promises to give us wisdom from heaven, he gives it from within, in his own being, his own person, when we ask him. If any of you lacks wisdom, anybody need wisdom? I need wisdom. Let him ask God. Don't call your best friend. Don't call the pastor. Don't go online. Don't call the 800 number. Ask God. How often we, we, the, our very first course of action is to, is to talk to a friend. You know, the three lifelines. Who wants to be a millionaire? Who wants to be wise? You, you have three lifelines. The first lifeline ought to be, ask God. Go to God. Get on your knees. You need wisdom? Pray for it. Ask God who gives miserly, <laughs> oh, generously. He doesn't teaspoon it out, you know. He doesn't give you a dropper full, he gives you a a fire hose full. Blows you off your feet. He gives it generously to all, not just the educated and the wise and the the wealthy, the good looking. (laughs) He gives to all without reproach and it will be given him. Oh my goodness. Folks, could this be any more clear? Could it be any more fulfilling? Any more satisfying? This is the wisdom of God we're talking about. Jesus. It's the promise of wisdom. It only comes from Jesus. And it only comes by grace. And it only comes when we ask. According to James 1.5. So let's ask. Dear Heavenly Father. This morning, we come on bended knee. You number our hairs and determine our days. You, 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 you hang the stars and you feed the sparrows. Lord, you, you open the doors no one can shut and shut doors no one can open. So surely, Father, we can trust you when the time comes for making decisions. And some of us are in that season right now. Some of us are facing decisions that are going to affect our our, our friends and our family for a long time to come. And so we're going to trust you. Lord, we're going to trust you for generous wisdom, straight paths, and peaceful hearts. All for your glory. So Jesus, would you take all of us? We run to you this morning. We lay everything at your feet. Lord, let our lives be yours today. You in us and us in you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.